Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Sean is a financial advisor with Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Tractor Zoom, delivering insights, and dry shod boots, the official work boot of Moving Iron Podcast. So, Sean, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm, uh, like I said, ne- ne- never has not been a dull moment for a long, long time, and this week is no different. Yeah, this, so. this, uh, Yesterday was the day that I was really concerned about how, how when I thought corn got to uh, 330, 329, 328, that possibly couldn't go any lower than that. And boy, was I wrong. Yesterday, I think it finished up around 320, 319, something like that. And, uh, you know, soybeans uh, are like 840, something like that in the May contract. You figure in basis to all that stuff and you're, uh, you're 290, 285 corn and you're eight dollar beans so um you know i want to reference something here you know you put a report out earlier this week um talking about you know the phoenix rising from its ashes and and you're getting real poetic there and i was i was enjoying that but there's there's a lot of a lot of truth to what you're saying because we've been talking about this for the past couple weeks about how the market's going to start you know putting these lows in um and and kind of getting ready for when everything kind of fires back up and takes off and runs and I got to think we're close. If not, we're there, right? So I guess give me your opinion of of what you saw happen yesterday, and well, really kind of the lead up to yesterday, and then you know talk about what's in that report. Because if people need to get that report, because it's a great one, so so talk about those things a little bit, and give me your opinion of yesterday. Well, you know, the market is, is everything's happened so fast that the right. market is trying to get their hands on what does it mean to have ethanol production almost go to zero i mean not quite but almost go to zero overnight right how where what's the corn price what does the corn price what should the corn price be based upon that um and 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 you know of course planting is getting underway we're off to a normal slightly above normal start compared to last year's horrendous start so so everyone says okay plant is going to be normal oh my gosh you know um and so, so, so the and, and when you break support, you know when you said three thirty, right? And you break support that everybody says, look, as long as there's a break three thirty, I'm gonna hang in there. And and it broke that, it knocked the stops out. All that, all those sell stops got triggered. Everybody said, oh my gosh, I give up. And and that's the final cathartic trade when you do that. Remember last year, the low was made the first trading day of May. Mm-hmm. It was a swoosh on a Monday morning. It was. It I didn't remember 3, that. 3.39 intraday, just mm-hmm. a swoosh, almost limit down, I think it was. Yeah. We ended the day up, and then we proceeded to put on a dollar. But that final week into that final day, it was an absolute, like, mini collapse into the low. That's how it usually ends. And yesterday, we certainly started to exhibit that final stage process of the swoosh, I call it. And, and while that's while that everyone can view that negatively, it's the end, not the beginning of a bear move. So I view it positively because it means we're near the very end of a difficult process 
not at the beginning of it. And so I view that um, as a good sign that we're getting very, very close. We've always said, you know, April for grains, April for corn, you know, mm-hmm. mid-late April, once we got a good start to the planting season out of the way, would likely be the place to look for a low. And we're right in the wheelhouse where we think we're going to see that. And, we, and in this past week, Casey, our smart money capital flows algorithm that we rely upon to give us a good read on this finally started to show some very good buying in the corn market for the first time in a long time. You know, we haven't had a buy signal in corn since late April of last year. Yeah. So, so that's telling us we are getting into what we call buying compression, means greater smart money buying into further declines in price. So we're, I'm not excited about the price, but I'm pretty excited about the prospects of making a loan. Now, maybe, maybe that will coincide with the president saying that he is going to reopen parts of the economy on May 1st. You know, who knows what the psychological profile will be that causes that, but I think we're in the hunt for that right now. Yeah, I think that's the key point, is is getting the economy back open. I mean, we've, we've listened, I, I hate listening to the news anymore because it's pretty much the same information just over and over and over again, and now they're they ran out of things to talk about, so now they got to blame somebody for something. So now they're all, you know, running around doing that. But you know, opening up different parts of the of the United States economy for the less affected people or less affected areas is going to bring back that glimmer of hope that people are looking for. That that you know, right now people think this is going to last forever. And there's there's no end in sight, and nobody knows when we're going to do this. And you got. Yeah, Dr. Fauci talking about how we should never shake hands again and, and doing all these different things. And we should, should, you know, you got a governor out in Oregon that says she's not going to open up her economy until there's 10 days without any deaths. And, and just all these things are coming out. And it just sounds like it's an endless hole of nothingness, right? And I think that's the, uh, that's what needs to happen. Once that happens, it's not going to be like a light switch and everything just kind of comes back. It's going to take a while for all this stuff to come back. But it's going to give people hope. And that's what... That's what yeah, you know, draws things back. It doesn't have to be the whole economy. Just parts of it start turning a little bit. Right. And we go from no demand on restaurants, mm-hmm. no demand, you know, in, in that part of the of the sector to some demand, uh, you know, increasing demand, you know, trending demand better and getting that side of the equation to open up a little bit. It just you just need to show that the trend is starting to get better and then the and then the market will then start to price that new reality in the deferred contracts, the fall contract. We've been talking about how we want to be looking at the fall contract pricing uh, relative to the perception of how we're going to open up the U.S. and, and the global economy, too, by the way. I mean, we're, we're hopeful that Europe will begin a slow, gradual process of opening up, and that will help, too. And so, all that, so that, that you're right. Right now, we have no clarity. We have three or four different people in the government saying 18 months, 12 months, not until there's a vaccine. We don't know. Two more months. Everyone's going well. That I, that means it's 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 over. It's, we don't know yet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's undetermined and undetermined is not going to bring buyers back into the ag commodity markets right now. No. No, not at all. So okay, the other side of that, the other side of the market that we need to pay attention to is as we start looking at the commodities, is the outside markets. And if you look at what's going on with with oil, we're starting to see some. There's some new lows put in oil the other day. There's, you know, it's not really bouncing back. Saudi Arabia and Russia are still at each other's throats about <clears throat> stuff that neither one of them can can control. But um, 
well, I guess Saudi Arabia can control it. China or Russia just needs to understand they can't. And then, um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think there's some there's some opportunity there to start seeing some upward movement. Like you said, if we start seeing that um, opening up of the economies and stuff like that, my wife has had the same tank. She has we have three kids and she runs them all over God's green earth doing whatever, and she's had the same tank of gas in her car that she's had since <laughs> since we kind of had the state you know kids stayed home from school thing you know that's been three weeks i think or Me more too. i haven't filled my tank up in <clears> yeah. three weeks and only it'd be like every two to three days yeah so i mean that just shows you where that's at but you know as these markets start to open or as these these different markets around the world or country and stuff start to open up there's going to be some opportunity to start seeing you know obviously the the demand for crude oil is going to go up and that's going to drive up some some ethanol prices with it as it comes up. But as you take a look at the jobless claims and those things that are coming out, what what's your? I mean, do you, do you think the stock markets doesn't have that built in already? That there's not going to be that response that we would normally see when a report like that comes out. I think we have to separate stocks versus commodities. Commodities have a real demand right. and a real supply from a real buyer in the real market. And, 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 and while we can say that the economy is going to open up and demand is going to improve, it can't improve today or tomorrow or next week. Stocks are free to trade wherever they wish. Um, and they can be more anticipatory because they don't have a real buyer and real seller. I mean, there is a real buyer and real seller, but it's not something that we're consuming right mm-hmm. now in the cash market. It's, it's a perceptible thing. Right. And so the stock market made that hard low in mid-March. I believe based upon the idea that we are going to be shut down to the end of April. And we've since rebounded as we've printed and spent upwards of seven to ten trillion dollars. Um, and, and apparently we're going to be spending another five trillion on a couple of more bills before it's all said and done. And with the idea that in May we would begin some form of opening up some portion of the economy. And so the stocks are trying to get ahead of that anticipating that the trough in earnings, the trough in demand is already being seen and they're trying to price in better times later on in the year. And so that's what the stock market is doing. Um, now, if, if, if Trump comes in and says we're going to shut down uh, until the end of May and every state says we're, we agree, then the stock market is probably going to go down and retest the lows again because it got it wrong. But right now, it's, it's holding out, because the president keeps saying he's going to be making an announcement about this new task force that he just put in place about how to reopen the U.S. economy, what that looks like and when, and they're holding out for that to see if he's going to follow through on a May opening or not. That will dictate what stocks do in the near term. Gotcha. Okay. Now that all makes sense. I mean, that, that's just, it's just hard to know what to do, right? I mean, we, uh, you know, out where I'm out here, you know, we're, we're planting seasons going on. Um, guys are probably a week away now with this, this cold snap we've had this week and the snow we're getting now. We're probably a week away from from really being in the field. But you know, parts and service and sales and everything else is, is we're 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 humming right along. And and you know, crops got to be planted, crops got to be harvested. So it's, there's uh, there's no no denying that. Let's talk about the uh, export report that's going to come out today. And there is. Um, Actually, some bigger numbers today than there was there have been in the last couple of weeks. So, if you take a look at corn, they're expecting somewhere between 150 million to 300 million metric tons. Soybeans, 775,000 to 300,000 metric tons. Wheat, um, 
is kind of taking it on the chin here the last couple of days. We had a couple of days there where it was down 15 cents. So it's it's really from a, from a leader to a follower here, 100,000 to uh, 300,000 metric tons in soybean meal, upwards to 25,000 soybean oil up to 5,000. So when you take a look at those those numbers um, from a year ago, they're still drastically lower than what you've seen what we've seen in the past but i guess what's your reaction to that and what's your thoughts on um on how the market could respond to this actually exports have been the bright spot for the most part this year um i have some numbers here uh, some specific numbers just to just to kind of lay out because if no one's been talking about it because it, the virus has just ruined any discussion of anything other right. than the virus rather than the virus um, yeah. but nonetheless China bought 5.05 billion worth of farm goods to the United States so far in the first three months of 2020. That's up 110% from last year. During the first quarter, they bought 7.81 million tons of soybeans. That's up 210% from last year. They bought 168,000 tons of pork, which is up 640% in increase from last year, and the list goes on and on. The buying export-wise from the Chinese and others is there but it's being drowned out by the loss of demand from ethanol, the loss of demand by the restaurants, the loss of demand from the part of the economy that's gone to zero, that, 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 that it, it, right now they're kind of, it, it's, it's the strong exports would normally be buttressing prices higher, um, is just actually softening the blow lower because it's not enough to overcome the complete shutting down of such an important demand source for the ag economy. And so, but, but, but when we, start opening up that sector again, as we just talked about, and those exports continue as we believe they will, you have quite an exciting demand side story in, in mid late summer into the fall uh, that, that the market is not correctly anticipating or, or is unwilling to anticipate right now because they're just unsure about the timing of the opening. So, so the exports has been really good news. And the Chinese, for all the bad-mouthing that you know, I'm no big fan of the Chinese at all, we've talked about them before, <laughs> but they are actually buying a lot of what U.S., ag right now and they're getting away with it buying a lot of ag cheap but they are buying a lot and that is a good sign so. yeah that is that's is a good sign they're they're coming to the table and buying what they need to buy um you know especially what you know you've talked about this uh in the last couple of weeks about what's happening in south america especially in argentina yeah. they uh once again the uh the argentina um Exchange has trimmed back the production estimates um, that they had again from. So this is about the third time that they've done that over the course of the year. So of their growing of this growing cycle. So so talk about that soybean market in South America and, and maybe some reaction we could see to the market um, up here. Well, two things are really going on. We talked about this last time. But it's worth repeating. Uh, production is not going to be in both Brazil. Brazil has had a very very hot, dry, mid southern. Uh, area of you know, really of one, four, well, driest and hottest in 40 years in those areas. So it's trimming the corn crop off, especially at least 5%, according to our calculations. Uh, and this is their big, this is Brazil's big corn crop. This is the crop they rely upon to supply the exports that they commit to. Um, and of course, in, in Argentina, you know, once again, they most everywhere is experiencing an extremely hot, dry year, and their production keeps coming down. So that means less exportable supplies from the last year at the same time we do know from the evidence that this virus is very sensitive to cooler temperatures 
Um, they, South America has been blessed with warmer temperatures during their summertime. That's kind of kept them from really having as much of a problem in some of their areas in the northern hemisphere. But where they're now moving into the key months of May, June, July, which is really their poor winter period where they reach temperatures that supports community spread of the virus. So we need to be on the lookout for disruption of supply, strikes at the ports, strikes with the transportation companies saying we're not going to work on these environments because we're all dying or we're afraid we're going to die, kind of like what's going on with the packing plants in the U.S. right now where right. we're not able to move the animals. So just think about it for a second. We have this huge demand base now for exports to the U.S. at a time that, that South America is still shipping you know, normally. But what, what, what if they really shut down or, or have to curb those exports in the Chinese and the rest of the countries that have locked in what they think are going to be large supplies coming out of that region are not met, you know, we could have a run on the bank, excuse the terminology, but a run on U.S. ag supplies if they need to come forward over the summer at a time that maybe Mother Nature provides some unfavorable weather during their growing season, which we usually get at least one bout of bad weather that gets the market excited. So there's a pretty good exciting prospect that we could be entering, you know, just look at what the wheat market did when Russia said, no more exports, we're not really sure, we're going to pull back, we're kind of concerned. I mean, if we put 80 cents on that wheat market immediately. Um, well, I think that could happen in South America, and that's something really, really, everybody keeps asking me, Sean, you know, how are we going to come out of this? How are we going to, is ethanol thing, corn will never go up. I said, you, you shut down, or you, you worry about supplies in South America shutting down? <laughs> you won't need ethanol demand. No, <clears throat> no, you won't need it at all. And that is, uh, that's a great point. And, and the news I've been watching, the news I've been, I've been paying attention to, it, they're not being overly forthcoming about what it is that they're doing. I mean, it's, oh, we're off just a little bit. We're going to back it off up, you know, whatever, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little quarter turn here. Not, not a big deal. And <clears throat> they have a, but they've done that three times, um, if not four. And, and it's about every other week that you see something like that pop up. And sooner or later, that's going to get to be a, a big deal. Each one of those little turns backs are going to be a big deal. And all of a sudden, someone's going to realize, like, holy crap, this is this is way less than we thought it was going to be. And all of a sudden, you know, they'll put the frog in the, in the water and let it boil. And then for too long, you got a boiled frog. And I think that's what we're running into there. So that's a... Definitely some stuff there to pay attention to. <clears throat> I think there's a, you know, pork is one of those things that we, we talk about from time to time on here, and, but I want to spend a little time on that. Pork prices are almost to the point where they're going to start just butchering everything and not worry about sow count and those kind of things. It's just going to be thin the herd, thin the herd, thin the herd, and I think we're at that point. So I guess talk about what's happening in that, in that pork complex. Oh, you know, pork and cattle, you know, beef, you know, there's just no way to move the animals. There's no way to move them right now until we, and even when we start opening up, it's going it, to, you know, you have to get the packing plants confidence and the workers' confidence to open up those plants. So even when we start opening up and people get, it doesn't mean the packing plants go right back to 100% capacity. It's right. going to take time. So there's just, there's nowhere to put, go with the animals. I'm not saying, I mean, in fact, they almost have no value right now because they can't be moved and they have to be moved. And you said we're just euthanizing them now or mm -hmm. in the process of doing that. So, um, you know, that's why the prices are where they are. But when we look out in the deferred contracts like we've been talking about, where we are going to have those packing plants, all that, most of them back up online 
even if they're all back online, back to three quarters of normal capacity, the demand for animals at that time is going to be enormous as the throughput comes through and, and those animals have been trimmed. So, you know, the prospects for deferred contracts to see a much different reality than the reality we have today, which is, this is nowhere to go, zero bid, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's an exciting prospect for the hog producer to get a price that makes sense for his business if he can get through this valley. And the government did come out with some assistance announcement yesterday that they're going to be buying some product. I saw that. Um, yeah. You know, giving some aid to the farmers, giving them an ability to get through this cycle. The government knows. I think everyone intellectually knows that, that there's going to be better demand ahead and there's going to be better price ahead. It just can't happen today, next month. You know, it, it, there's no way to, to so we just got to give them enough of a, of, a, of, a, of a bridge to get to that side where they can actually make a living again without any government assistance. So at least it does appear they're aware of this, and it looks like they're going to move fairly quickly to at least patch the dike enough so it doesn't come crumbling down. You know? Right, yep. Well, good stuff, Sean. There's plenty of stuff here to, to kick around and, and pay attention to. And the, if people want to get the report that you sent out on Tuesday, what's the best way to do that? If you want to see that report, uh, the best thing to do is just to email us at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, as in Nancy, at HackettAdvisors.com. Just email us for a request for this week's report, and we'll be happy to send it to them um, right away, and they can kind of take a look at some of the things that we've talked about in this program and that we talk about on a regular basis. There's a lot going on, but uh, also a lot of opportunity, too, for those that are able to keep their emotions at bay and look at things objectively. You know, these kind of panics always offer some interesting opportunities. Yep. So. Great information in that report, folks. I read through it the other day, and it's it's uh, it, it, there's a ton of good information in there, plenty of good outlook and those kind of things. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. And uh, you know, hopefully you warm up here a little bit and you get those planters rolling. I hope so. It's not, I want some of that Florida weather, man. Eighty-nine degrees. Oh so. boy, you guys are struggling down there. Just, just struggling like crazy. All right. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and about anywhere else you can find a podcast. Um, also, check out my social media at MovingIronLLC.com, and uh, check out my website at MovingIronLLC.com as well. So, until next time, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. In the 21st century Hardworking people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here